Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. The message you are about to hear could be detrimental to casual living. And so if you are content in just being a casual church attender, not changing, just coming in and never uh, transforming your life, if that's you, now is the time to leave. In fact, we'll all close our eyes, so if you want to sneak out, <laughs> we'll give you a couple seconds to... Just going to give you that, that moment for a second before we, we move on. You sure you want to stay here? My wife claps. <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> I got the keys. You have to wait with me. <laughs> I want to I I share with you. Jesus says that I am the vine. You are the branches. In other words, that it's not that if I disconnect this speaker, this speaker is still a speaker. Disconnecting it from its power source doesn't cease for this thing to be what it was. But when you disconnect a branch from a tree, the tree doesn't just get disconnected from its source. It dies. And the Bible says that every good gardener will trim any tree that is not or any branch that is not producing fruit. And it'll cut it off and it will throw it into the fire. I need you to understand something that when God spends time with people, God is the ultimate. Listen carefully. God is the ultimate investor. The ultimate steward. And whenever God invests into someone, he expects a return on his investment. You see, we're we're no different. There is none of us that would buy a car that doesn't run. Unless it's a classic that you're putting back together. But you go in with the idea, if you run down to Toyota and you buy a a, a 2014-15 car, you expect that car to run and you want a warranty on it because I want a return on the investment I'm putting into this thing. You, When you put money into the stock market, you are expecting the stock to rise in value, not lose value. And yet many of us have relationships, we have partnerships, we have, we have family members and we got things that are connected to us that are not producing anything. And we got things that are draining our resources, but they're not producing any any investment return on the time that we've spent with them. Jesus spends time with the 12. Stand with me as we read in Mark chapter 6. I want you to know Jesus spends time with his, and he calls 12 disciples. How many does he call? He he calls a couple fishermen. He goes out and he calls a a, a tax collector. He goes on and he calls a, a couple gang members. And he calls these guys from different backgrounds to put together his dream team. 
And when he gets them together, he's not spending time with multitudes. He, he was with the multitudes, but he spent his, most of his time with an inner core of people. He spent time with these guys, and he, he expected a return on his investment. And notice what happens here. He says at verse 7 of chapter 6 of Mark, And he called his twelve disciples together and began sending them out two by two. Notice this. God doesn't spend time with people without expecting them to go out. I'm not just going to have you soak here for a while. and Let's just stay in the presence of God and never go outside these four walls. I want you, if I'm going to spend time with you, I expect you to do something with what I'm giving you. And he sends them out, what? How many go out in each group? Two by two. So there's a group of two here, a group of two there. Now, how many disciples are there? So how many groups are there? Oh, you guys are good. Man, So we got six teens that are going out. And so the disciples went out, verse 13. Actually, before we were in verse 7, it says this. And he began to send them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So God, before he sends them, he gives them authority. Everyone say authority. Authority. Look what happens in verse 12. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. Change your thinking. Trying to retrain the thinking of the people they meet. And they cast out many demons, healed many sick people, and anointed them with olive oil. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand this, is that Jesus spends time with them, then he sends them out. And when he sends them out, something amazing happens. They they start coming back. Now, how many groups are, are there? Six groups. So the first group comes back, and this isn't in the Word. I'm just, just, so if you're looking for it, you're not going to find it. But in my imagination, the first group comes back, and this was amazing. There was a guy that was demon-possessed. He was foaming at the mouth. He was barking. He was was jumping. He was acting all trippy. He was spinning on the ground. We walked up to him. We said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, demon, come out of him. And the demon came out. The guy was set free immediately. And while they're talking, group number two comes walking. Man, that ain't nothing. We came up to a paralyzed dude who was paralyzed for about 12 years. That guy couldn't move. He couldn't. He was just laid there looking at us. And we walked up to him and said, in the name of Jesus, of Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the dude jumped up and the third group comes and that's nothing. We found a demon-possessed, paralyzed guy that had been in that condition for a few years. And we walked up to him and we spoke the name of Jesus to him, told him to repent. He was set free. And now he's cut. And then the fourth group and each one is coming and they're outdoing the other talking about the power and the majesty and the glory of God and they begin to celebrate how God moved through them because Jesus had moved through them see it wasn't long ago that many of you sitting here right now that you were excited about God that you were doing things for God You were telling people about God. That you were making a difference in people's lives. God sent you out, spent time with you. And you were making a difference in others. There was a time where you couldn't wait to get to church. 
There was a time where you couldn't wait to worship. There was a time where it was your passion, it was your life, it was your heart. There was a time where you couldn't wait to lift your hands and magnify the name of God. You couldn't wait to open up the Word and begin to read it. There was something in you. You looked forward to when it was time to study His Word. Look forward to church on Wednesday night. Look forward to church on Sunday morning. You couldn't wait to be in the presence of God. You couldn't wait because God was doing something in your life. Uh, do you remember that time that you were so fired up about God? Sam, you remember when you would run back and forth here at the altar, screaming, Chahoo! and you're going back and forth, jumping up and down, staring half the church, and I'm having to explain to them what's going on. They want to leave the church because some guy is shouting and screaming and almost knocked their kid over because he was running around the church. <laughs> then you got your friend with the other long hair to help you out. Yeah, John out there running and shouting, and there Lebo was actually, I think you were the one that started the first Chahoo, and then from there, all the other dudes followed you after that. Then you guys take off running, and you imagine these big old Samoan dudes running around and little kids almost getting knocked over. You remember that time where you were so excited about the presence of God? You remember how you were so passionate about getting to church that literally the night before you laid your clothes out so you could get up and be ready to go on time? Now you come strolling in and it don't matter what time it is. You remember that time where you were so passionate about the presence of God? Remember when God flowed through you? Remember when you would sing and heaven would come down? Remember where you would open the word and you would teach others and they would hang off of every word you said? And Jesus is upset. Because something happens here. Take a look at verse 9 or chapter 9. Now, we're in Mark chapter 6. Now we're going to Mark chapter 9. How many chapters later is that? Three. You guys are good. You know, if you ever failed math, have your math teacher talk to me. You guys, you guys are you're nailing it. Look at Mark chapter 9. Something takes place here. Then one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit. By what? And he won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. What happened? What happened from chapter 6... To now in chapter 9, it's gone. In chapter 6, they were rejoicing about even demons being subject to the name. But by the time they get to chapter 9, they can't even cast out a demon from a little boy. They were bragging of their exploits before. And Jesus tells them in another book, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And now three chapters later, they can't even cast out a demon from a child. What took place? What happened here? And Jesus actually gets upset with them. 
He's upset. How long shall I be with you? How long do I have to bear you? Because Jesus had spent time pouring into them, teaching them, instructing them. And now when he steps away for a little while, they can't even cast out the demon. What's taking place here? Jesus invests his time into the 12 and he expected something out of his investment. You know what I'm talking about. You've invested time in that marriage and you expect that marriage to work. You invested time in your children. You expect your children to reproduce, to, 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 to bring back something. You expect the things that you do, your job. I've been there for X amount of years. They should take care of me. They should do something. We have this expectation. Jesus is no different. Say, follow me. Stay with me here, all right? I want you to notice that the, the writer of the book of Hebrews... The writer of Hebrews kind of explains this in more detail. He says this, you know, I want to teach you. I want to take you deeper on this subject. There's times that I'm teaching on Sunday, times that I'm sharing. But there's times that while I'm trying to share, it's hard to give out to you because some are just not listening. I know the difference between those that are pulling on my anointing and those that are just here spectating. There's a difference for those that are sitting and they're pulling on the word of God as it's being released. Those that are trying to grab a hold of the word as it's being explained. That are taking the word that is spoken from a mouth and it's becoming life and spirit to them. Then those that are sitting by and saying, would you entertain me? Keep me, keep me awake. Come on, little Latin man. Make me laugh. Entertain me so that I can walk out and crack up a little bit, but still feel good about how I am when I walk out. Talk to me about the love of God, but don't deal with me about the holiness. Talk to me about how God's always in a good mood, and don't talk to me about how God sometimes gets frustrated with us. Talk to me how I'm okay in my sin. Don't talk to me about getting things right. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 5, verse 11, we have a lot to say about this topic. But it's difficult to explain to you. Because you have been lazy and not listening. You know that the Greek word for lazy literally means this, is that people are sitting there just watching. And they watch so long. That they fall asleep. Inactivity. Spectating. Watching. But not engaging. Oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning. There was a time you were involved, but now you're afraid to get involved because you got hurt. Get over it. But you know what? I'm trying to work out my own marriage right now. I can't get involved in things that are going on. You know, it's time to get up and get going. Because what ends up happening, we can't go deeper because what happens is you get lazy and before you know it, you fall asleep. And then those that are awake aren't even listening. He says because you have... You become lazy and you haven't been listening. Verse 12, and although you should be teachers by now... 
Jesus had spent so much time with the disciples, he expected them to be able to do what he did. And he walks away for a little while and they can't do it anymore. I've spent so much time with so many individuals that by now I shouldn't have to be wiping your diapers anymore. When a, when a baby craps, a baby is all concerned about himself. I got to go. I'm going to go. I'm hungry. Wow, I want to eat. I want to eat. It doesn't care. That's why we ask you to take your children out of the sanctuary. Because they don't care that the word of God's being preached. They're hungry. The world's about them. Not about anyone else around them. When they want mama's attention and they're trying to get her breast, look, look at the word I'm, without me getting too, getting too deep into this. Although you should have been teachers by now, you need someone to teach you an introduction to the basics about God's message. Say it again, pastor. You're looking for something. We got to keep going over the basics for you because you're not growing. You have come to the place where you need milk instead of solid food. Look at verse 13. Oh, it's getting deep in here. Everyone who lives on milk is not used to the word of righteousness. Ow. Because they are babies. But solid food is for the mature whose senses are trained by practice. Trained by what? That means you got to do it. you got to practice it. That practice to distinguish between good and evil. Listen, there, there, there's two causes, he says. Laziness and lack of listening. But I need you, to, need you to understand. What you consumed on one level is not enough to sustain you at another. So, some of you didn't catch that. See, a baby is okay when he's a baby sucking on mom's breast. Getting the breast milk. That, that's enough for him. He doesn't need meat. He doesn't need potatoes. He doesn't want vegetables. He doesn't need bread. He's not looking for a three-course meal. All he wants is milk. Because milk has all the nutritional value, what he needs at that level, at that stage of life, in order for him to grow. But as that child develops the muscles, the, the, the digestive system, the growth, he needs more than what the mother's milk has to offer. What, what you consumed on one level is not enough on the next level. And all you want is milk. And you got, we got kids, they don't care about a thing. They just go whenever they have to go. Because it's about them. And you know, when my kids were small, I didn't mind wiping them up because they were my babies. Ooh. Oh, look at the little turd when the very first one... <laughs> Like, look at the turd. How cute. And you're wiping. And, oh, she went for the first time. And we're all excited as we're wiping them. And, you know, I, I was the first one to change their diapers. And when we're in the hospital and everything, as that kid started getting older, <laughs> and see her sitting in her swing or in her chair, I'm not going to tell you which one. And all we saw was, I'd be like, I'm going to go mow the lawns. It's one thing when you're dealing with a child, but when you're dealing with a 35-year-old man, 
because I have crap that needs to come out, I'm going to let it out right here. And I'm just going to let it go. And then you expect, that person expects everyone else to deal with his smell and clean up the crap that he made. I'm not going, oh, did you put the so cute? Like, what's wrong with you? Unless, there, unless there's a mental condition or there's a, there's a, a developmental issue. But when you're an adult and you're still crapping on yourself and others, we, we got problems. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. God, some of you have been in church for so long and you're still crapping everywhere. It's time to grow up. It's time to clean it up. See, there's nothing wrong with crap. It just belongs in a certain place. We all have crap. We all have stuff that we deal with. We all have stuff that needs to come out. But there's a place for it. There's a place to deal with it. And then after I'm done crapping, I clean it up. You made the mess. That's what happens when we end up getting people that aren't ready for marriage getting married. And the wife is like, you want me to clean this up? You're the one that made that mess. Oh, I can't. I better not go there. So what happened between chapter 6 and chapter 9? I want you to see what took place. They, they, they lose a friend. John the Baptist, a friend of the ministry, dies. Have you ever gone through loss? If you have, say amen. amen. If you ever lost someone that's special to you, someone that you care about, Yesterday, my daughter would have been 21 years old. You know what's so hard about that is the fact that when she was sick, she would get up every morning. We would get up at 5.30 in the morning. The family would get ready. At 6.30, we were in the car driving from Manteca an hour over here to San Jose, to Overfelt High School, to start setting up the church. My little girl... The little hat on, setting chairs up with everyone else. And we had men, full-grown men that lived in San Jose that couldn't be bothered to come set up because they work all week. There's easier churches to attend. And go to churches that are, have everything set up when you get there. And you walk in and everything's taken care of. You don't have to worry about the thing. This isn't that place. It's hard to be part of CWC. you got to work. But they went through a loss of a friend. And when they lose their friend, they try to get away. And when they get there, there's a crowd of people wanting something from them. Ever been in that situation? Trying to get some rest and everyone always wants a piece. You just feel like cotton candy that everyone's taking a piece away from you. And all you're left with after it's all over is the cone. 
They lose a friend, and then not only that, they find themselves facing a storm. Jesus tells them, get in the boat, go to the other side. Afterwards, they get in the boat, and a storm rages up. And on their way over there, they're, they're struggling. They're trying to move on, but they're not making any progress, and the wind is against them. How many of you have gone through a storm? How many of you have gone through some struggles? You're in a battle, and it just seems like, I don't care how hard I work in my marriage, I'm not making any progress. I'm working on my finances, and I'm not making any progress. I'm praying for my kids and I'm not making any progress. I need you to understand that in the midst of that storm, the thing is, you might not be making progress, but you aren't losing it either. You're holding your ground. You're staying in the fight. And where others are giving up, you keep moving on and you keep staying. There was a time when that storm came that you would have just let go. But you've grown. And in the midst of the storm, they don't keep, they, they, they face the storm. And then after that, they go through a financial crisis. How many have been through some financial struggles before? They got 5,000 men and their families, 15,000 people that they need to feed. And all they got is two fish and five loaves. Then they, a little later, they got 4,000 men with seven Loaves and two fish. They got this need that is bigger than their resource. And they've gone through this crisis each time Jesus met the need, but it takes something out of them every time they get through that struggle. And now the worst part about it, check this out. Now they're dealing with offense. They're uninvited. Offense is the thing that will kill your anointing. Offense is a thing that will destroy your relationship with God. Now, how many disciples did Jesus have? And Jesus had three that were the closest to him. Peter, James, and John, the sons of thunder. And he pulls them together and he says, hey, guys, we're going on a trip. The rest of you nine, you stay here. You take care of the ministry. You guys are going to take care of the church while we're gone. But we're, we're going to head up. We're, we're going up to Cancun. We're going up to, uh, we're going up to Lake Tahoe. The rest of y'all stay here. But the three of us are going to go up. All right, we'll see you guys. You make sure, oh, don't forget to take care of this thing. Make sure you send that out. Make sure you get our, our ministry CDs out and so forth. Make sure you get the mailer out. But we're going. And they take off. And when they get to the top of the mountain, all of a sudden, Jesus is transformed in front of them. The glory of God shows forth to Jesus. Next to him, Moses, boom, shows up. On the other side, Elijah, boom, shows up. And so these three are having an after party with Moses, Jesus, and Elijah all here while the nine of them are down at the bottom working the ministry while these guys are having a private party with the most important, powerful people that have ever lived. And they're down there while these guys are partying. Got to pray for these people and make sure this is mailed out and this is taken care of. And then all of a sudden, while they're doing these things, his father shows up with a demon-possessed son. Some of you are like, I got one of those. And while they're having the party up on the mountaintop, the other nine are dealing with this demon that won't come out. You ever had a problem that just won't go away? No matter what you throw at it, it stays right there. 
And you're doing everything you know. I mean, you, you're, you're praying over it. You're speaking in tongues over it. You're throwing holy water on it, oil. You're throwing Crisco oil. You're throwing whatever. You're throwing the sink at whatever you can find. You're throwing everything at this thing to deal with it, and nothing's working. And the other four are coming down off the hill. <laughs> They're tweeting, just saw Moses. Did a, did a selfie with Elijah. Dude, most power. I just took a picture of Jesus and all it is is white. Son of God showed up strong today. Instagram. And they're putting all these, they come down while the nine are sitting there. They're looking at the three or four of them coming down the hill. And they're dealing with this boy. Look at verse 19. I'm going to close here. Stay with me. John, if you could help me. Jesus said to them, you faithless people. You would think Jesus would come down. Remember, he's loving. Right? Instead of coming down and saying, hey, man, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, my bad, dude. You know, I'm God. I know everything. I knew this demon-possessed dude were going to show up. And I meant to be back earlier. I just, just run a little late. You know, me and Moses got into a little, little discussion and hanging out with Elijah. You know, we we're. He comes down. He sees these nine knuckleheads trying to cast out the demon from this boy. And you got a ticked-off father that is expecting something from them, and it's not delivering. And the father sees Jesus and he goes right up to Jesus and your disciples. In other words, they reflect you. These guys are supposed to be you. And what you said they could do, they're not doing. And Jesus' response to them was, you faithless people. He's not speaking to the crowd, he's speaking to his disciples. How long must I be with you? How many more counseling sessions do you need? How many more appointments do you need to deal with the same issue? When's there going to be some growth, some progress? When's it time? You should be teaching married couples by now with all the counsel we've given you. You could write a book on it by now. All the prayer, all the time that we spent pouring into you, you should have this down by now. Jesus is saying, how long must I put up with you? How long must I bring the boy to me? Some of you are like, no, pastor, he's saying, bring the boy to me. I'm sorry, I don't read that. Oh, faithless, oh, faithless generation. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Oh, bring the child to me. I don't think so. When I read it, then again, I'm Latin, so a little Latin flavor comes out when I read it. I don't care what nationality you are. You read this, you see some frustration. He might not have raised his voice, but he's frustrated. Cast out the demon and the disciples come up to him later. 
pull your chair a little farther up, bro. You're way in the dark over there. And I'm definitely not going over to a cowboy fan to do this. Father, why won't it come out? Why won't it come out? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you wanted entertainment. Are you not entertained? <laughs> the disciples go to Jesus. See, I couldn't go over to him and call him Jesus in a cowboy's jersey. They, they go to Jesus and they tell Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And I love Jesus' response to him. Look, look what he says. Afterwards, the disciple, or when Jesus was alone in the house, his disciples, with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, other versions say by fasting and prayer. There, there's there's other, uh, other books that, that share the same thing, but they add in fasting. But this one just says in prayer, with prayer. Do you, do you understand what prayer is? I'm closing here. But I need you to, 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 to... I need you to get connected right now. I need you to get connected, get plugged in. Jesus said, simple, you lost connection with me. When there's no prayer, there's no connection. You don't pray, there's no connection. I was gone for a couple days. I went up to the mountain, and while I was gone, you got focused in on work, and you lost connection with me. You got focused on doing work of ministry without recognizing that you still needed to talk to me, even though I wasn't there. God can't be a Sunday thing. Oh, come on, church. God can't be just your Sunday thing. See, I got good news for you. For those of you branches that are broken off, I got a branch in the backyard. We got so much fruit on that tree that the branches broke off. That sucker just couldn't hold it anymore. So I, I'm giving away. It just came down. Now, the branch is still, for a few days, it was still had green leaves. Still had the fruit on it, but it disconnected. Had a couple strands still there, but it was disconnected. And some of us are walking around and we're looking at a broken branch in our lives and we think we're connected because we come to church. And, and our leaves are still green sometimes. And the fruit, we're looking down there and the fruit's still hanging there. And we think everything's all right. But as time goes on, you start recognizing that those leaves are now starting to curl a little bit. Still green, but they're curling. Fruit's still there, it's just not maturing. But I got good news for you. My God's a master gardener. You know how they make different varieties of fruit? I'll oh, stay with me. They'll take a branch off one tree, put it on another, and they wrap it tight. They wrap it tight. 
And the life in this tree begins to permeate through the dead limb. And the life in the dead one begins to start growing into the dead. And all of a sudden, that branch, that branch that was disconnected has been grafted in. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that God has grafted us in. That God has taken a dead branch called you and me. And he's connected us to the branch which is him. And he connects us and wraps us. I'm here to tell you, if your marriage is dead, it's not over. Just graft yourself back in to the tree. If your spiritual life is dead, get grafted in to the tree. If your finances are dead, graft in to the tree. Because when he grafts you in, Jeremiah 17, stand to your feet as I read this. If you're taking notes, write this scripture down. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. This is your promise. You can tell I've been on vacation for a moment. I need air. Blessed is the man who trusts in me, God. The woman who sticks with God. They are like trees replanted. Someone say replanted. Man, I feel like I'm disconnected from God. It's all right. God's a master gardener. They are like trees replanted in garden, putting down roots near the river. Oh, I love this. Never a worry through the hottest of summers. Never dropping a leaf. What's that saying? Whatever I grow... I keep. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Not dropping a leaf. Whatever grows from me belongs to me. I'm not going to lose my children. I'm not going to lose my house. I'm not going to lose my car. I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to lose my my family. I'm not going to lose my husband, my wife. Whatever leaf grows from me is mine. I speak a prophetic word over some of you right now that if you would get planted those things that have been stolen from you, you get to get those things back. Heading into a season right now that God is going to give you the things you've grown. Never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through all the droughts. (laughs) California is going through a drought right now. You know what? But there's a worse drought going on in California. It's called a spiritual drought that many of us are going through. It hasn't rained on you in years. You're dry. But like Pastor J.R. always used to say, the great thing about dry wood catches on fire quicker. Serene and calm through the droughts, bearing fresh fruit in its season. I want you to look to your neighbor and tell him, get connected. Look at your other neighbor and tell him, stay connected. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.